This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another brand new episode of the Battle Red Radio right here on the Battle Red blog and on Spotify and everywhere else you can stream and enjoy your internet entertainments. I think that's what they should call stuff, that they stream. Internet entertainments. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, like, is that assumed? I don't know. What qualifies as entertainment? I don't have a dictionary. That's fair. But, like, anything you stream or, like, you, you apps on the phone, like, one broad, you know how everything always seems to categorize into different stuff? Uh, I mean, I guess, but I mean, it's just so people know what you're talking about. If you say entertainment, people are like, so what does that mean? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Someone's going to come up with something, though, and then we're going to regret not using internet entertainments. Well, I mean, it's an accurate description. It's just really broad. Yeah, but that's what I mean, like, the top of the, like, let's say somebody's got one where they're like, oh, in, in 2023, we had the most advertising in all of internet entertainments. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Like that big category. All right, we're just wasting time here. Um, the playoffs wrapped up last night. Uh, I, You know, I bow to your superiority. I, I have to say it. You went 2-0 and in the picks where we differed. I'm a genius. <laughs> that. You don't even know. You don't even, ugh, you don't even care. I watched the Jacksonville game. That's a lie. That's I right. watched. I watched Jacksonville. I watched. I watched. Uh, oh God, who are they going? They were playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, yeah, good old. I watched them. I watched the Chargers snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> that was such a. Oh man. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk very briefly about everything, uh, and then we've got. A, I've got a great interview that I did with one of the Battle Red blog writers. Uh, Scott, he's known as V-Ball Retired on the blogs, and he's a, he's a great writer. We've, he's probably been the leading voice that I disagree with the most in, internally on stuff, so I thought he should be the first guy we have on as we start all the interviews for the offseason and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, the playoffs, I guess a couple surprises. We, we both thought the Chargers would beat Jacksonville. And at halftime, we looked brilliant. Jacksonville had four turnovers. All four of them interceptions from uh, Trevor yeah. Lawrence. The old Trevor. He just looked he, – he looked like a guy who the moment was bigger than he was. Both quarterbacks coming into this game were rookies. And so I was kind of curious – because I hadn't heard anybody talk about, like, playoffs are different than regular. Like, you've got to really – like, it matters. Particular matchup, I hadn't heard anybody make a comment. So I was sort of intrigued by that. I think it was probably because it was both rookies, so they didn't feel like 
you know yeah it's like who's got more experience it's like uh, we both knew it's like all right fantastic yeah but but i i think someone i think i think the analysts failed at that one because they really could have talked about not rookies but this was both their first time in the playoffs and this was really an opportunity for for to have that conversation because what happened is Trevor Lawrence came out there and just he was bad but he oh, just was good that first quarter he was just awful he really was and and two of the interceptions aren't really his fault because they're tips like one was tip of the line of scrimmage but two of them are very much his fault and there's just no getting around it they went out there and they had four turnovers uh, San Diego, I think at the half was up twenty-seven to nothing, and they wind up losing thirty-one thirty. So, yeah, good job, Chargers. Um, the other game where we differed was the Giants at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You took the Giants. I went back and listened because I, I wanted to make sure I got it right. You took the Giants, and you basically took them out of pity for the fact yeah. that they've been bad for so long. Correct. And I took Minnesota all based solely on the fact that they have like 12 wins. Uh, it turns out pity was the right thing to go with there. Yeah, see, when you're talking about sports, it's everything to be like, I have the numbers, I have the analysts. Sometimes you got to take, take the extra thing. The Jaguars, their luck streak of just incredible luck over this past has like nine games they would they went from like a losing record to winning the division and the first round of playoffs yeah that's true you're not wrong and then and, the giants and the giants I, yeah it was like they've been bad they, this is their time and it was right i was right on both occasions speaking of turning it on when they need to the dallas cowboys defeated the tampa bay buccaneers in what was a pretty brutal game, honestly, because at one point it's 24 to six. And that 24 is six touchdowns with all four extra points missed by the kicker. Amazing. Um, so so what, you're, what you're telling me is that Dallas is firing their kicker. Uh, probably by the time you hear this tomorrow, more than likely, there will be a new kicker in Dallas. I don't know if you do that. I don't. I don't know. Do you make a roster change in the playoffs, Nico? I would. If he misses four extra points, he's off the team. All right. So here's the total run of it. He missed the very last extra point that he kicked in week 18. So at one point, it was five extra point misses in a row. Yeah. Like it's, it's, this is like baseball points. rules. If you miss three in a row, you're out. You're done. Okay, all right. So then he made the last one. So he he is now one and six of his last six extra point attempts. Yeah, you're not, you're off the team, bud. I'm sorry. Okay, so you would make a change in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I, I just I don't know how comfortable I'm. I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, he, he he clearly had some sort of mental breakdown on the field. I mean, how do you miss three extra points? I get. Look, I understand. I, he, they, it was, moved it, they moved it back. It's it's no longer basically guaranteed anymore. But it, but it still is. It still is. I mean, people can't yeah. field goals. No, it, what was crazy is the first two were wide right. So, obviously, the third one went wide left. Yeah, clearly. And then the fourth one, it just was on the outside of the – it went over the uprights. 
and it was just on the outside of the right upright. I don't know, man. Like, he was just kind of all over the place. That's what I'm saying. No consistency. You're off the team. Sorry, bud. Yeah, and that's that's basically where he was. I mean, they kept talking about it. <laughs> the clips from the Manning cast are funny because I think the one thing that drives Peyton Manning crazy is that the kickers are even in the league uh, and that they count. Because, like, you can run a perfect, you know, two-minute drill, get in range, and, and run your field goal kicker out there to kick the game-winning field goal, and then they just have a mental fart 30 yards out of a perfectly reasonable kick and, and cost you a game. I think that drives Peyton Manning crazy. Uh, he was visibly struggling not to express anger. Like, you could see him swallow it. Uh, on, on the third extra point that they miss, he gets up and he walks away from the couch. And they have multiple cameras in the little basements they're in. And so, like, you can still see him on the screen. But he's literally standing there with his hands on his hips, like, yelling at one of the other screens. <laughs> and he's, he's just going, he's, he's going, we've already missed two. Why are we even kicking it again? Why aren't we just going for two? Why aren't we going for two? Oh, my gosh. Just, what a legend. He just fall. So then they're interviewing. The, they have the the head coach of the of the Lions on, Dan Campbell, and the it's the fourth quarter. It's the middle of the fourth one, and all three of them react. The the coach he doesn't say anything because he's a professional. He's got his kind of his hand near his mouth, and you can see him just kind of biting his thumb, like how did that happen, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Eli is like, oh, uh, well, I. Wow! Wow! I uh, wow! And Peyton, he literally he grabs his because Eli and Peyton I guess both have footballs just laying around. He grabs it. You can see him squeezing it, and then he just is looking around like it's somewhere to throw it really hard because he just wants to smash it off of a wall. Mm-hmm. And then you can see him doing the mental calculation. And he's like, you know what? It's just not worth it. Puts it back down. Yeah, you can, but you can see the wave of anger rise and fall. Peyton Manning still loves football, still cares infinitely, and it puts himself in both guys' shoes because it was really there's no way he's excited about the Dallas Cowboys. But you can see when they kicked that third one and missed it, he like he, we've already missed two. Why are we still kicking it? Why are we kicking it at this point? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you're if you're watching the Jacksonville game, the the final field goal for them to win it looks like it's about to go out. And like... yeah, it does. <laughs> and you just kind of look at it and you're going, ah. yeah. If you're paying Andy right there, you 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 lay a bird's egg. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, yeah, he's the same sentiment. I get it. <laughs> You've got one job. Uh. But yeah. I mean, you literally do. It's kick. It's kick the ball in between the giant, the giant thing. But yeah, the Cowboys kicker. He uh, he was mysteriously right. disappeared. Yeah, you might be right. He might be. He might be gone. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I, I assume you have to like regular season. He would be fired. But I don't know how I feel about changing kickers in the playoffs. I don't know. That's a weird superstitious thing. Usually you wouldn't be the one that ascribes to that, but I get it. Yeah, it's just oh. it's high pressure. Like I feel like I feel like it's just one extra thing that you don't need to mess with. I, like, don't know. He, I feel like there's someone else who wants it way more. 
maybe, but like regular season, he was he was good enough that he got you there. It's just this little break, but yeah, like if this were week twelve, and all of a sudden he couldn't make extra points, you would fire him. But I don't know, man. It's just the playoffs. I don't. I don't know. It's it's too too much extra. Like there's you're already defending, a- you're defending this terrible play. No, I, I'm not even defending him because he would be fired any other time. Like, don't don't think I'm on his side here. I don't even want to look at him either. Uh, too much mercy, brother. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just too much pressure. I feel like like this would be the thing that if you get it wrong and the new guy because there's no in the regular season you go out there and you have him do a kicking competition kind of thing. Like each of them kicks 60, 70 kicks, and then you go, okay, who made more? Okay, that's all right. You're hired. But you you don't do that for the playoffs. Like it's just too much pressure. Imagine if their other kicker's worse. That's what I'm saying. Like okay, you you all that this guy called a case of the yips. Like, is he gonna keep missing them? No, because he made the last one. Like, I bet if he gets if he gets to keep the job, I bet he kicks just fine the rest of the playoffs. Or however right, long. The, I really hope the Cowboys lose to because their kicker can't make anything. That would be. But what if it's a new kicker? Uh, then if it's a new kicker, uh, good. They lost anyway because God said no. <laughs> but <laughs> that's all I'm saying is like you can't simulate. You can simulate kicking. You can't simulate the playoff part of it, and that's why I think it's just. I don't know. Like, he already was out there. He already went through it. He already had the hardest night of his life. He's not going to do that again. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, again, I would keep him, but not because, like, I would probably say awful things about him in the media. And I would probably even say if this were regular season, he'd be fired. I don't know. Playoffs, the playoffs have made you soft, Corey. No, not soft. Just, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know another way that you can reliably simulate. This layer of pressure, maybe not, but it's it's. I just think it's funny. I, yeah, no, and believe me, I'm I'm as surprised as anyone that I'm the first guy going. Ah, let's let's keep this guy. Um, so Tampa Bay's out, Minnesota's out, uh, the Chargers are out. Um, oh, they're, they're I'm, I'm missing a couple games here. Buffalo won. In a bit of a, a, a tougher game than it should have been. And Cincinnati won. Now the Chiefs and Eagles, who were off, now they're gonna be into the fray of all of this. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting next week. We'll do our picks again on Friday. Um What's your biggest takeaway from this first week, though? Biggest surprise or interesting thing? Uh, I was just impressed that uh, you could throw a game so hard as the Chargers did. Also, um, I'm not sure. Like, I, I couldn't hear. I didn't have the volume up. We were at a, I was at a restaurant when I was watching the game. But uh, is his name Bosa, the, the, the quarterback? The, the uh, yeah, the Chargers have one of the Bosa brothers. Yeah. Uh, He's a linebacker, defensive end. He, he rushes the quarterback. That's his job. All right, good for him. Crying like an absolute baby on the sidelines. Oh, was he when they lost? Yeah, I think it was about like mid, like late fourth quarter when it's pretty much like Jacksonville has the ball and they're just walking it up the field slowly to get to the, to kick this last field goal to win. Hurries. Yeah, he's just he's just losing his mind on the sideline. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. 
throwing his helmet into the ground like a toddler. Oh, it's great. I love it. Well, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I, I don't feel bad for him be- because he was a starter on the field for the whole game. So you got to think that he could have done something about it. But, I mean, you know. What <laughs> that, and, that was, and that was my kind of – that's where I was thinking. I was like, why are you crying, dude? You should have just done better. You guys had the yeah. biggest lead in the universe. That's like, okay. So for, it's like the third biggest comeback in NFL history and in playoff history or like that. Because it's like yeah. – it's like the what, the Oilers Bills, uh, yeah, yeah, and then like one other one that was twenty eight, and this one was twenty seven. Like it was insane. I think it's the is it the Atlanta? Is it? Yeah, the, I think so. Atlanta Patriots. Um, yeah, it's 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 nuts how like if they scored a singular touchdown after that, they would have won the game, but they literally yeah. couldn't do that. <laughs> they get one field goal and then nothing ever again. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It makes me think about when Kansas City came back on the Texans. We were up 21 or 24 or whatever it was. I think it was 24 to 3 or something like that, and we wound up losing. Uh, but, like, everyone wants to yell at Bill O'Brien and everyone wants to yell at the offense and Deshaun Watson and whatever, whatever. How do they not score again? Blah, blah. Like, 24 points should be enough to win. The real question is, how does the defense not get stops anymore? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence played the exact 50-50 game. He played four interceptions and four touchdown throws. Yeah, like it was like a tale of two quarterbacks. Like if they're twins doing like the Olsen twin thing, like in Full House where they would swap them out so they never went over the union hours uh, for child actors, I really feel like that's what the Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah. Like there, there are two Trevor Lawrences – one who hates the Jacksonville Jaguars and one who wants nothing more than to be the greatest Jacksonville Jaguar. Right. Um, I think my, two interceptions the first time. I think my biggest takeaway was I was kind of weirded out by how much trouble Buffalo had beating Miami. Yeah, that's also weird. Buffalo has done surprisingly, like, done such a good job this season, and then Miami doesn't have Tua and is, like, in shambles at this point. Well, they, they, their third-string quarterback was the guy who was out there. Killing the game, man. One day at a time. Skyler Thompson. Yeah. At one point, Miami was in the lead. I think it was 17-14 or 21-17, something like that, right towards the end of the half. What a legend. Yeah. You really – I mean, I was a little confused. Like, how did – when did we – like, Miami, I think, scored, like, 17 unanswered in the second quarter. Um, just absolutely crushing it. Yeah, because Buffalo went up early. It was like 14 nothing, And I was – and by the way, the spread was like 13 and a half in favor of Buffalo. So everyone thought 14 nothing was about how the game should start. But then Miami, I mean, they kind of came alive. And again, this is string quarterback. There was no yeah. – there was a good reason for Miami <laughs> to be so competitive. They just were. What absolute – Giga Chad <laughs> walked into the room and said, "We're here to score points." <laughs> I'm like, was... wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. It was very confusing. It really was. Like, because <laughs> it was a game where I was like, "Well, I don't have to watch this one." You're like, "Well, this is clearly a clean sweep." Man, what an upset would that would have been if they lost? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm checking scores starting the afternoon game, and I'm like, "Buffalo's out." What happened? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would have been a mess. 
Um, by the way, now Buffalo and Cincy play, and was stopped because of the Demar Hamlin injury. This is the game that changed all the the other stuff and messes up the potential Chiefs Bills game with a neutral field. This one's going to be played at Buffalo, no neutral field. Thanks, guys. <laughs> like I don't like. What are we? Well, what was there? Was was there other game also in Buffalo, or was it in Cincinnati? Uh, it was in Cincinnati. Oh man. Yeah. So I mean, there's no. I I don't know, man. It's okay. I don't know what the league's thinking there. But anyway, yeah, I was I was really kind of weirded out. I, I it makes me wonder about Buffalo's defense a little bit, or was that just Miami being Miami? Because like Miami Daniel, I think uh, is a really good head coach. But I mean, there are times when you just fold. I mean, third string quarterback losing lost last five games to come into the playoffs. Like, yeah, we're not we're we're not exactly riding on the high note. We're not like Jacksonville here, who won like eight of their last nine games. Right. By the way, I read an interesting article about Tua. Tua, who did not finish the season because of concussion protocols, many believe he had three concussions this offseason. He had two confirmed ones. His He's coming into his – this will be his fourth year. He has an option for a fifth year because he's on the rookie deal structure, which is for first-rounders get four years and an option for a fifth year, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's talk to watch and see if Miami renews his deal. I think they have to do it in the first, like, two weeks of the offseason. So, like, the first two or three weeks after the Super Bowl, it'll be crucial to watch this. If they don't renew him, I don't remember who said this. One of the one of the ESPN's NFL insiders, like one of the guys whose job it is to get people to talk to him off the record and stuff like that, he said there's several teams who suspect Miami – won't renew Tua, and maybe we'll give him the last year of the the fourth year on this deal as a prove-it situation, but if he gets one more concussion, then there's a chance that most teams won't sign him if if that becomes the situation. Whoa, that's kind of crazy. And they'll say it's for his health and his safety, but also it just becomes like, so Kyler Murray has the blown knee. Russell Wilson played like garbage. Those are two guys with giant contracts. Tua, you know, if he if he go if he goes somewhere else for on his fifth for his fifth year, while he might not be ready to get the big deal yet because teams are like, hey, let's see what two or three years look like. He's going to be trying to earn that big deal, but he's potentially concussion prone. So like. Those giant deals cripple these organizations when the players don't live up to them. There's no upside to keeping a risky Tua as your starting quarterback. Does that make sense? Right. So keep an eye out for that. Interesting. We like I said, we're we're gonna we're gonna cover this offseason. We're gonna get into a lot of stuff and we're gonna talk a lot of interesting scenarios. And this might wind up being nothing, but it's potential. All that being said, we're going to jump out uh, to a live read of an ad, and when we come back, we're going to do an interview. We're going to air the interview I did earlier today with uh, Scott V-Ball Retired of the Battle Red blog. Uh, Thanks for everybody for hanging out. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Stay tuned for the interview, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 
Okay, everybody, let me tell you all about the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More Adventure Stadium. That's right. We already know about the great and wonderful comics and, tra- and trading card store they have on the first floor. They also now have on the second floor a sports memorabilia store and sports trading cards. It's awesome. Get up there to the stadium right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, the second floor above the, the original Adventure Begins, in the Marcel Town Center. Make sure to check them out. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. The Adventure Stadium. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, listeners, we got a great treat here. Like we said, this offseason, we're going to start talking to a lot of the experts and analysts and people who give their opinions. We're going to get as much information for everybody so that when the, when the free agency and the drafts happens, we're ready for it. So our first guest of the offseason here, Scott Barzilla. Known as V Ball retired on the Battle Red blog, great contributor and a friend of the show. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing really good. All right. So the listeners don't know this. Every once in a while, I refer to like the behind the scenes, how in the Discord server, all of us contributors get in conversations. I think you and I have probably had the most dialogue about the head coaching situation for the Texans. I think that's pretty fair. <laughs> we come from two vastly different schools of so i'm gonna let you make the case for why firing lovey smith was the right move i think it is fair to say both that you know he was put into a unfair situation but i think it's also fair to say that he's just not the coach for the future and i don't think he ever really was So I think when you're looking at it after the year, you have to look at, you know, and I compare this with all the other teams in the league that have changed coaches within the last couple of years. Did he make them any better? And I'm not, I'm just not seeing it. And, and I think we actually had more talent this year than we had last year. And yet, you know, we somehow did not perform even as well as we did last year and in some key areas. And so I think now that you have, you know, the the second pick in the draft, now that you have, you know, two first rounders this year, next year, extra picks, I think now is the time that you can go out and get the coach that's actually going to lead this team back to the playoffs. I I, I don't argue with the idea that he definitely came into like a probably the most convoluted situation possible. And even when you backtrack and look at that, that moment where they hired him, it really was a knee-jerk thing, and he probably wasn't hired with the intention of a long-term answer there. I, I, I don't think any of that's unfair at all. Um, I, I My thing when we fire coaches, like I even asked this when we fired Bill O'Brien, and I wasn't a Bill O'Brien fan, was sort of like, okay, if we fire him, who's the next guy? Because if you get that wrong, then, it, then it's, it, it hurts you just as much as keeping the bad coach. You know, and David Cawley definitely didn't help us any. He didn't do us any favors. Although maybe he did by lowering our draft status, but we didn't have that pick. So in hindsight, like, yeah, it wasn't a – that was a lose-lose. So the thing with Lovey is 
for me, I, I think we – I don't know if we were more talented than last year. I think while some players – while we do have some better players, I also think some guys regressed drastically. Brandon Cooks, for example, uh, just tanked miserably this year. He held water, and I don't – you know, for a first year, I kind of feel like that is almost just as good as stopping the bleeding. As the team continues to get younger and more talented, what would he have done? I don't know, because I do think he – when given a chance to build a team with the Bears, they built a pretty successful organization. And then it, it did – it fell apart after that. There's no, like – but no coaches coaching forever anywhere. Anyway, so I think he could have built a franchise out of what we had, but I don't disagree that they didn't they, – they were never going to – I don't – they probably weren't going to keep him around forever anyway. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think there's one thing that is really unfair for Luffy. And I think that is that whenever you're going through a draft or whenever you're going through free agency, you want to pick players that are going to fit that guy's system. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think Nick Casario was in the position to do that. And he wasn't in a position to do that for Cully either. And I don't even know if Cully had a system to even, yeah, I, even <laughs> go around. It's so hard to judge the architecture of what Cully was doing. Like looking back at that season, but, I really understand a lot of those moves. But, no, you're definitely right. Like, Because uh, I think, you know, because to me, my druthers, like, if, if I were picking for Lovey Smith, right, and I have the third pick in the draft, and I'm really desperate to pick a corner, number one, I probably wouldn't pick a corner there because I don't think his system really values corners that much. Yeah, you could have gotten away with going a little lower on the corners. Although but, I, I love Stingley, though. But you you would have probably gone Sauce Gardner because Sauce uh, Gardner would have fit. I think he would have fit Lovey's system better. I think Stingley might be the better corner long term. But I think that's kind of part of your problem is that you're you're picking players that you think are good football players for a future system down the road that isn't his. Uh, that's that's what I think is unfair uh, in terms of Lovey. However. What I think, and when you look at the last two hires, and this is this is the box that I put everything in. I put uh, coaches in, I put free agents in, rookies in. I look at, you know, what do I think about these guys at the time? Because we can go, you know, hindsight 2020 on nearly everything. Oh, yeah. We know, like with the quarterbacks, we know Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud look great now. We don't know what they're going to be. No, for sure. You know, we, we, you know, we think they might be good, but, you know, two or three years from now, you know, we might be looking at it and there's going to be people in the media. I can't believe they picked this guy. This guy was terrible. It's like, well, you didn't say that then. <laughs> so when I'm looking at coaches, uh, what I'm looking at is, do I have a belief that this could work? And with Cully and Smith, I never had that. I never thought, you know, yeah, this is the guy that's going to lead us back to the playoffs. I, I just did. Um, with any of the guys that they've got on their interview list now, we'll probably get into the, uh, those guys in a few minutes. There's guys there that I can look at and say, like, you know, I can see an avenue where that works. Now, what we know, and you pointed out, is coaches don't coach forever. Most of those guys don't work. Right. And there's, and there's any kind of reason for that. But, like, if you look at, say, you know, the last two years, you know, Denver and Jacksonville, they fire their coach before the season's even over. So, you know, those are, you know, horrible hires that we look at now with Hackett and Urban Meyer. But when they were hired at the time, 
some people saying, yeah, I can see this working. Urban Meyer has won national championships at multiple spots. You know, Hackett's coming from a great coaching tree. Yeah, I can see that. You know, now we look at it and we go, man, that was stupid. But we yeah. weren't saying that at the time. Um, I will say this. I, 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 I agree that a lot of people probably – Probably in Denver, they probably almost threw a parade when they hired Hackett because there is kind of a feeling that these young coordinators are the next wave of coaches. Um, there's not a lot of evidence of that, unfortunately. Most of these young coordinators are, are literally the graveyard of still paying, which the NFL I, – I brought this up a couple times on the show. In January they at the league meetings, the NFL reminded teams – that in the last three, two or three years, they've paid out $800 million to fired executives and head coaches. So there's a lot of teams that aren't getting it right. Um, not just us. Not just, you know, although we're not making it any better. Although we got a discount on Cauley, but Lovey Smith's going to take home, what, $20 million, something like that? So, you know, he's probably not too mad about this. I think he knew, I, I, and I, I suspect that's why we saw what we saw in Week 18 is that I, I, I think he knew what was happening. He, he's not a, he, I mean, you can say a lot of things about Lovey Smith, but he's not an idiot. No, I, mean, I, I do think that. So I think the, I think sometimes the media and the fan base can put a pressure that didn't exist. Like if the Texans existed in a vacuum, they probably wouldn't have fired Lovey Smith this year. They probably would have at least kept him around one more year, done another draft, see the team looks like at the end of the year. But I do think because the pressure built, I mean, it's it's not fun to root for a loser. And so as the pressure built and the media and the fan base was like, why are we okay with losing? Even though we, we knew, I mean, we were saying it, it, on the Discord and stuff that this was a lost season. Like none of us were coming, I mean, our, our first episode together uh, here, we, we, we talked about how we didn't have big expectations. I think when we picked wins, we each saw five or six wins on the schedule total. You know what I mean? So, like, we weren't really looking at this thing going, oh, we're going to crush it this year. So, I, I, I think it's hard because I, I don't think he necessarily underperformed against reasonable expectations, which would be how you would operate typically as a head coach. But I also think the I, pressure to do something, like, got too, too heavy. Yeah, I think what I think what's rough with uh, with him and firing him is that um, the big problem you have is you're likely drafting a quarterback number two, especially with C.J. Stroud you know, declaring today for the draft. You know you're going to wind up with Young or Stroud, right? If you want if you want to go the quarterback route, and the question you know comes down to who do you want developing that quarterback? Now, I personally think. In a perfect world, in a vacuum, like you were describing, we could let Pat Hamilton go. We could bring in a new offensive coordinator. Uh, Lovey has certainly shown that he can let the, the offensive guy run the offense. If you could find that qualified coordinator, you could certainly have done that. My issue with that is if, I, if I'm a hotshot OC, why am I going to go here? when that coaching staff's going to get flushed out probably after the season. So I think that's why they you know, ended up making the decision that they did is that they end up flushing everything out. And then of course you have Nick Casario almost, you know, making comments like, you know, maybe he gets flushed out. 
I think they're just trying to, you know, to clear the deck as much as they possibly can so they could get in, you know, a talented offensive mind, whether it comes through, uh, you know, vehicle like D'Amico Ryan's hiring his own guy or if it comes through any of the offensive coordinators that they've, that they've interviewed. Yeah. So, all right. So we were talking about interviewing here. So let's, 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 let's move on. Like, uh, like Lane Kiffin moving on to wherever, whatever next job he's taking. Right. Uh, let's, <laughs> or, or, or Cliff Kingsbury going to Thailand. I mean, let's move on here to the hirings here, by the way, that's the greatest story. I, I'm, I'm so happy for him because he took an extension last off season. They fire him this self this season. And he's like, I'll just go to Thailand. And that's a one way ticket folks. Yeah, tell me that's not like the best thing you've ever heard from a coach. He's like, "Yeah, I'll just take all that forty million you just gave me, or whatever it is, and I'll I'll, I'll live a nice life. You'll never hear my name again." Well, until next year when he wants to move back. I don't yeah. know. He's he's taking I mean, his mom girlfriend to Thailand at forty million. He's going to be like vice president of the country in two yeah. years. Although, how much Thai food can you really eat? I don't know. That's, that's a fair point. Okay. So- it's, the list is basically Sean Payton and a bunch of guys who've never been a head coach. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the list? Um, and, he, and here's, you know, I go back to my whole thing is thinking that somebody's going to be the guy. And when you, you know, you were pointing out that, you know, that, that first time head coaches, uh, you know, are usually not successful. I would say retreads are also usually not successful. It's hard. It's hard to find a good coach, and I think that that's sort of why this is going to be such an interesting offseason. I think, and I think that's going to be true all the time. So you kind of take the shot. And the reason why I like the list is that, um, with the exception of the tight ends coach from Saint, uh, from Los Angeles, I can't even remember his name. Um, but yeah. with the exception of that, all the other seven guys have been interviewed by at least, or uh, been requested to be interviewed by at least three teams. So, you know, we're not interviewing Heinz Ward. We're not interviewing Josh McCown. We're not interviewing. First time in two years, by the way. I, don't, yeah. I just that out. <laughs> we're not, yeah, we're not interviewing, you know, some guy down the street that, you know, that, you know, you were talking with at the bar. I mean, we're interviewing people that other teams at least think are good candidates. That's so true. That's a good start. And a nice bonus is I had been concerned that D'Amico Ryans wouldn't take the interview. Uh, I, I read today that he did schedule an interview before the game this week. So that's, will, I mean, that's really fantastic news. Um, and, and it really, because I was concerned how much damage we've done to the reputation of the team, the way we've handled everything. Well, I, I know Indy has requested an interview with him. So, I mean, he's got options. And so, you know, and, and, it, and you have no idea, and, and I don't have any idea on how yeah. any individual guy is going to view our situation. I mean, that's... No, I definitely think... I, I hate to I hate to be the race guy, but I think if you're a black coordinator, you, you at least are a little concerned about what you're seeing in the national media from everybody right now about the Texans, right? Like, that has to at least ring in the back of your head. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that, that's all, you know, it's all part of the narrative. Um, in terms of the guys, and, and, and I was listening to y'all's last uh, last show, last recording, and y'all were talking about Ben Johnson. And one of the things I was going to push back a little bit is that what we have to remember is that Ben Johnson is only responsible for the offense on that team. That team was 9-8 and eight because their defense was terrible. Their defense actually in a lot of categories was worse than our defense. And so that kind of, that's a double-edged sword. 
because he's never worked with defense. You don't know what he's thinking in defense. That's going to be the very first question I'm going to ask him when, you know, when he walks into the room is, you know, who is your defensive coordinator going to be? Right. What kind of defense are you going to run? But what intrigues me, though, about him, and, uh, and I think Kafka, uh, I'm intrigued by him as well because they essentially took mediocre personnel. And we got to remember that the Lions selected Aiden Hutchinson second overall, so they didn't take an offensive player in the first round. True. But they went from terrible to really good almost overnight. In fact, his offenses kind of reminded me of the early Kubiak years before Wade Phillips came along. When, you know, you're you know looking like 2009, 2010, you're just thinking, gosh, if we could get just even an average defense, we'd be a great team. I mean, those 2009, 2010 Texans were absolutely great offenses, but they, they were just saddled with bad defenses. And, and I think what's weird about that is they weren't, there weren't any particularly great well, Arian Foster and Andre Johnson, but like the, the quarterbacks were never anybody you were really in love with. And the line wasn't known league wide as like a great line. So you're, you are right that like you can, I, I know, I see where you're going. You can coach into a great offense. I, I, I just don't, some of the stats I didn't like about them, first of all, just the fact that the Lions were bad. But I mean, not bad. I mean, I guess like nine and eight's not as bad as it could have been. But uh, their third down percentage was pretty weak. They were towards the bottom half of the league with that. Um, penalties were, were right in the middle. Uh, so, I mean, there's some things where if, I, if I'm looking at a coach, I, I know what you're saying, that he was just the offense. That kind of has to take the record out of it. But I, I still would like to see somebody more efficient with third downs and, and teams that don't take stupid penalties. Um, yeah, that's true. And I, what I like about Kafka as compared to Johnson is that he's been in more than one space. That's true. Um, That's a little bit and, more reassuring if they can if they can perform in a couple of places. That is something you're looking for. What I like and what I like about both those guys as compared to uh Steich in, in, in Philadelphia, that team has more talent than they don't know what to do with. Um and so, you know, when you're when you have a great offense with that much talent, I'm like, okay, that's nice, but uh we don't have talent here. <laughs> and that's and, then, and I, that's why I like Johnson and Kafka because you know Daniel Jones is should not be a starting quarterback in this league. He really shouldn't be. Oh man, I, but, I think he changed my but, mind this year. But well, look what he did this year. Because yeah. look what you know, look what Kafka did. Kafka said that you know what you you have mobility. Let's use that. And so, you know, that's what I like. I like coaches that could sit there and look. And I like this on the defensive side as well. And this is one of the problems I had with Lovey. And that is you have a guy like Derek Stingley who should be a generational corner. Great cover corner. Let's use that. You know, instead of saying we're just going to use you in zone because that's what I do. No, 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 no. You design a defense around the skills that your players have. You design an offense around the skills your players have. And that's why, you know, those guys, and I think D'Amico as well, intrigue me because I think those are guys that will come in and say, like, okay, we don't have a lot of talent here, but we have some. Let's organize something around the sum. And then, you know, maybe we can be more competitive in the short term. Yeah, almost like a Patriots-esque, like, what do we do and what can we take away from them? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know that I've seen San Francisco necessarily do that. I, I, I do sort of think the reason D'Amico Ryans gets so much love is because the same same thing as the Kyle Shanahan thing. I think I think San Francisco is just loaded. You know, so it's it's a little it's a little harder for me to, to say like, oh man, D'Amico Ryans is the great defensive coordinator. And he he has been around some good defenses, but he's also had a lot of talented personnel on those defenses. And so that kind of always rings in the back of my head. Again, with the, which with each of these guys, I have a real question mark, and I, and that's sort of kind of I'm not excited about the list, and that that has a lot to do with it. Because with each guy, I, I go, well, what about this? And I know that's probably going to be the problem is we're going to hire one of these guys, and we have to, we have to hire somebody, um, and overcome whatever it is about them that we're not sure. And so, what do you? Yeah. What 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 coordinator? Who do you want to get the job, and then and then to get you out of here? Tell me what team do you think is the best opening of the five available jobs? Actually, number one, I am absolutely shocked that Brandon Staley has not been fired yet. I'm I'm a little surprised, man. That giving up that lead like that does shock me. I because I thought he was going to be fired that night. I, I thought I thought if they lost that he was going to have trouble making it through this week, but no announcements today. If if I had you know in my dream scenario, and this, of course this depends you know it depends on you know on, on draft compensation, but really Sean Payton would be my dream scenario, and that's mainly because you know my wife is a huge New Orleans Saints fan. Uh, anybody that you know <laughs> on the Discord knows that you know for. Yeah. for Patrick and I, that that's the case. And so I, I've, you know, I'm kind of like a secondary Saints fan. And so I've watched them over the years. And one of the things that I think was good about Peyton that I think people don't realize is I think that, you know, a lot of people said, well, he had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, that quarterback wasn't in the Hall of Fame before Peyton got there. That's true. That he, he, I mean, San Diego let him go. Now he came into his own those last two years in San Diego, but San Diego yeah. was happy to let him go. He did, and and I, but I think the other thing they don't realize is in those last few years, you know, Brees got beat up. Yeah, he did. He's putting he's putting in guys like you know Taysom Hill. He's putting in guys like Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, and he's winning with those guys. Where you know nobody else. I mean, I think Bridgewater's played his best football in New Orleans. Oh uh, yeah, so, that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to say. And so I think. He's a guy that I think, you know, since he has done it before, which is, you know, and, and I think you can't discount that. You know, I, I do agree that, you know, these coordinators, you don't know how they're going to do once they have to do everything, you know, on the field. You, you don't know that. And so, but the problem with Peyton is going to be, number one, I think he's using us to get something else, um, which or I just thought would have been the Chargers. Or just get released from the New Orleans thing completely. Um, but, you know, if Dallas loses tonight, McCarthy's gone. Yeah, I, I think that. But I don't know that Sean I, – I can't see Sean Payton and Jerry Jones working together. Well, I don't I, – you know, Jones is not getting any younger. Um, yeah, I think that makes him more stubborn. Because while Sean Payton was the OC um, when Bill Parcells was there, when Bill Parcells left, Jerry Jones kind of made it known around the league that he was thrilled to get rid of that staff because they were – they didn't need him. 
So I think if, if I'm looking at realistic options, because I don't think Peyton is a realistic option for us. Uh, my favorite is, I think, you know, D'Amico Ryan's just because I think he has a leader of men quality to him that I don't think those other guys necessarily have. I can agree with that. I think that's pretty accurate. And I think, you know, he kind of reminds me of, you know, of our former DC that went to Tennessee. Um, I mean, his numbers weren't great here. But, you know, oh, I hated seeing Mike Vrabel leave. That was, that was a painful. But, that was a painful. But Mike Vrabel has a habit of making chicken out of, well, the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, you know what's interesting about Vrabel is I, I if this next year goes the way this one did, that he'll be out in Tennessee too for some reason. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's unfortunate for him because, you know, when you look at that team, they're Derrick Henry and, and what? Yeah. I, 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 you know, and that's where – I and really that get, is just terrible. That rookie, oh my, that rookie quarterback, he he can't come back on the field. Yeah, that was that was rough. And you, you imagine, you know, how many people? And this is the perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. How many people thought this guy should be a first rounder? Oh, oh yeah, the the talking heads when he fell out of the first round that were like, how did Malik Willis not? Yeah, uh, or they were comparing him to like the next Lamar Jackson type situations and stuff like like I, yeah. There was a lot of that. But I think that's where, and I think especially was true with quarterbacks. And I think, you know, what D'Amico's going to do is he's going to you know, hire somebody from that Shanahan tree if he were to get the job. I think, you know, who you get to work with your quarterback is just so very important. You cannot convince me that Brock Purdy is the next Tom Brady. That's, <laughs> but, that's a good way to put it. You're right. Like someone's coaching him up. But but you can't. But when you put him in that system, my goodness, you know what you know what you've been managed to create. Now, I think he's better than Davis Mills. Yeah, um, it's a long list. But he's not, you know, physically a great quarterback. In fact, I got into an argument. I remember we got into an argument. Somebody said they wanted to trade for Trey Lance, and I'm like, why? Yeah, I do. Trey Lance is on his way out of the league, too. That's another like, guy on a short Yeah, look at it. you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's limited physically, has done great things in San Francisco. Yeah. Brock Purdy, who's limited physically, has done great things. Trey Lance has all the physical gifts, supposedly. And the blessing of the entire – like, the staff wants him to be the guy. And you can want – you can want in one hand and, well yeah. – <laughs> but you know and so you know i i think trey lance might get traded this offseason although i probably wouldn't if i were them because i just you know and this guy well i want if you trade him your you know number 12 and your third round i'm like what the heck are you talking about yeah i who's taking them is sort of the hard sell right i mean i would take a flyer on them you know maybe for a fifth or sixth rounder just you know what the heck but I'm uh, not paying any more bidding, than that. Yeah, if the bidding got that low, I could reasonably I could see most teams at least bringing them in. That would be San Francisco just flat out admitting that they got that one totally wrong because they gave up a couple first rounders to get him, if I recall. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I mean, was, there's a little bit of pride that's going to be involved in that trade. I mean, that was where you know you saw the seven degrees of, of Laramie Tunzel and what that all turned into. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Dives. 
Well, I mean, that to... was that was the move, <laughs> move of the century for the Miami Dolphins there. It really was. All right, so last question. I know you got somewhere else to be. Best job opening in the NFL. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, I am going to make the argument. Don't be a Texas. No. I'm going to make it for the Houston Texans, and here's why. All right, what do you got? Everything is predicated on the quarterback, right? Do you want to hit your wagon to Russell Wilson? No, and I, and you're right. So I would say Arizona. Do you want to do you want to hit your wagon to Kyler Murray? Yeah, no, I, not at all. Indianapolis, we know that they now. If Indianapolis leapfrogs the Texans for the first overall pick, I think that changes. I think Indy has the best opportunity. But you know, we know Carolina wants a quarterback. They're picking lower than we are. We know that, you know, we know Indy wants a quarterback, and so far they're picking lower than we are. Uh, Denver and Arizona are stuck. Now, where that changes is if the Chargers were to fire Staley or the Cowboys were to fire McCarthy, then that changes big time. Because I think, you know, the, the who you hit your wagon to as a quarterback, I think, is huge. And there are worse situations to be in than having Davis Mills. Oh, I don't. Uh. Well, and, and I think <laughs> if you're a Denver Broncos fan, are you happy with Russell Wilson and over two hundred million dollars? Uh, man, those contracts are so prohibitive. They're stuck with them. I gotta think that. Here's what I'm doing if I'm Denver. Nathaniel Hackett was such a terrible head coach that I'm letting Russell Wilson have the pass once, and then I'm saying if I'm hiring whoever I hire that they can get at least 80% of the Seattle Russell Wilson. Uh, Tyler Murray, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. You've got a whole year without him at least to do something else. I don't know what you do there, though, because that deal is even worse. It's well, like six or seven years of just terrible cap situation. Well, but here's my question. What is 80% of Seattle Russell Wilson? Because if you look at the Seahawks this year, they were a better team without him. And they well, didn't really have a ton more than what they had the previous year. And that's Geno Smith. I think what happened is Geno Smith doesn't run as much or as frequently as Russell Wilson will. And Geno Smith doesn't keep plays alive as long as Russell Wilson does. And I think there's something to be said about being a little quicker and a little bit more decisive with the football and just giving up on plays. I think sometimes these mobile quarterbacks – keep plays alive a little too long, even to the detriment of the offense or the flow or what they're doing as far as keeping up with the sticks. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But what I guess my point is, is not that necessarily that Geno Smith is the second coming of anything. Right. No. And I agree. I just, I think because he knew he was worse, he didn't, there wasn't that element of ego. And like Geno Smith knows he's not, he's only the starter as long as they win. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and, and I think with Russell Wilson, I, I do think he was held back by Hackett. I think Hackett was a historically bad hire, as it turned out. And, and and I think if they get this hire right, they can design an offense over the things he can do, which kind of goes back to some of the things I was talking about there. They can, they can design an offense around what he can do, and I think you know he can still be functional. But you don't pay a functional quarterback $40-plus million a year. 
Um, and that's it's kind of the box that they've kind of put themselves in. Yeah, I for me, I think the best job I think is Carolina probably because the Colts gave up draft picks to get Matt Ryan. Carolina, they gave up some stuff, but nothing of real value, seconds and thirds and stuff. So, like, you still kind of have your war chest intact. Plus, the owner was ready to give Matt Rule six years to, to rebuild the team. So, a patient owner. Um, an offense you get to reshape because they don't have anything. And a defense you get to build. I think if I'm, if I'm looking for an opportunity, I think that's where I would plant my flag. I think, I think that's fair, and I think what's really good about them is you, we also forget the uh, the McCaffrey package they got from the 49ers. Yeah, they got, um, they got some stuff back into their war chest from that. And they uh, they also traded Robbie Anderson for, you know, just a decent pick, which I think, you know, one of the things I'm upset about, and, in, in, you know, if we want to tie the string, you know, from the trade deadline to, you know, that fateful win that we shouldn't have had was <laughs> not getting rid of Cooks. Um and I, you know, we talked about this on Discord. I don't know, I don't know what people were offering. You never know these things. But I would have taken a third or a fourth rounder. Yeah, I think what I read is that Dallas was offering a third, but that there was a conversation about what to do about his money. Right. And I, that's my frustration with Cooks is that at no point, my understanding, at no point has he offered to give up or change the structure of his deal because all this money is guaranteed on his deal. So, yeah, still paying maybe half his salary for a third rounder. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that was right or wrong. Well, do you even get like say now that he's declared he wants a trade? Do you get like maybe a fifth or a sixth? I mean, I don't know what you get for him because this year was even worse. Like at least at the trade deadline, you didn't know how bad the season was going to be for him. But again, he wasn't helping us with anything. Like, because I don't know if he's a cap hit at this point. I, I, I don't know. I really I mean, don't know. But you know, I guess the point is, know. is that you know when you're looking at you know there's other teams and, and the Bears did this, you know where they traded away you know their best assets. You know the Bears, you know, God love them. They did tanking right. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, yeah, those, those last few weeks. I mean, you know, Nathan Peterman. I, you know, why is he still in the league? I, I, but anyways, you know, th- that's that's how you tank those games, because, you know, this is where, you know, a lot of people get mad at coaches. A lot of people get mad at the players. And this is what I don't. And and I did used to coach. I didn't coach football, but you can never ask a player to lose a game. No, that, that's, and, you can't do that. And it's hard to even get a coach to agree to it. I mean, I think that's why the Brian Flores stuff was so inflammatory. So, yeah, and so to me, if you if you sit there, you could look at guys, you could sit there and go, well, geez, Laramie Tunsil is a really valuable part of our future. We don't want him to get too banged up, so we're just going to hold him out that last week. Uh, Titus Howard, you know, we're going to work an extension with him, hopefully, this offseason. We don't want him to blow out a knee in the last game, so let's just, you know, let's just hold him out. Uh, Brandon Cooks, he's been, you know, he's been discontented. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to see what the young guys can do. You can frame an argument around taking some key guys out of the game and making it look plausible. Which, which oddly enough, we didn't do. I thought that right. was kind of telling about Week 18. That's why I'm not – that's why I don't know if I believe in the Lovey Smith going rogue stories. 
you know, allegations that like, oh, he wasn't supposed to win that game, and that's why he got fired. I don't. Well, but, if he didn't want him to win, they would have set those guys down. Right, and the whole thing is, I, I, I think people think he's going rogue. Number one, coaches are always going to try to win. Yeah. No matter yeah. what, uh, they're going to try to win. If they sat there and said, if you gave me, you know, forty, you know, garbage men, I'm, I'm going to put it together. I'm, I'm going to try to find some way to win. But I think what ended up happening was I think he kind of, especially with that two point conversion, because that's something that, you know, he, he never did. No, I um, think that was the first one. No, I guess not our first one. Uh, but but uh, if it's a, in, in that situation, it's something he would have never done. I think what ended up happening was I think Lovey Smith knew I'm not going to be back. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's probably, not, yeah. and, and, and I think people make fun of, and, and, and they were down at a local sports radio here. They were poking fun at Davis Mills for his comments after the game. I don't know if you caught wind of those, you know, where he talked about, well, I, I've proven that I can win this league. And you're like, it's, it's <laughs> well, yeah. 21. Um, yeah, when did this happen? Were, were any of us awake for it? Well, I also saw the, the reporters asked him if he felt responsible for Lovey Smith's firing. And he was like, well, this league's about winning and losing and somehow missed the point that they were making, which was that he was a loser. Well, but the, but I guess my point is, is that if he came out and said, I suck, I know I suck, you'd be like, there's no way this guy can play again. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, guys are supposed to think they're winners. You're not think, wrong. Yeah. And so I think he went a little bit too far. I think there was, you know, some self-awareness issues. We'll just say, um, but I think, you know, the key is, and I think Lovey Smith, when he said, I expect to be back, what, what do you want him to say in the last press conference and the last day of the year? Yeah, there's mean, a Do you thing want him to come out and say, like, yeah, I'm getting canned, and, I, and I'm wondering if it's going to happen tonight or tomorrow? I mean, is that yeah. really what you want him to say? And that's sort of the thing, right? Like, you're at a UFC fight, you're doing media, and you're underdog. Is he supposed to sit there and go, oh, this guy's going to kill me? We've been watching tape all month going – how do I defend myself? Like, you know that they're supposed to, they have to believe they have a chance. Otherwise there's no point in go. So, yeah, that, that's where, you know, I, I don't believe any of the, well, we fired him because he was supposed to lose. It's like, so a, a two 14 and one lovey Smith, you're going, yeah, let's keep this guy around. Three <laughs> 13 and one. No, no. It's not going to work for us. Yeah. And, and to me, the other thing that was sort of frustrating about it, and we'll, we'll wrap up here is like, we're going to change over probably 80% of this roster. So, like, there's not a reasonable argument to make that, like, we thought he was going to do much better than this. You know what I mean? Like, this was part of their plan probably from the beginning. There's I, no think, that. I think particularly in those early games, I think you can look at, you know, particularly the Chicago game and the Denver game, especially looking at what Chicago and Denver ended up being. And you could look at those games and sit like say, you know what, if we did some things and strategy differently, we win those games. Oh yeah, I definitely yeah. thought it's like a, we would have been three and going into the Chargers game. I, yeah, I do. You, you could have won that indie game. And so now all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, hey, it's a six or seven win team. That's not, you know, and I, I think really the lovey I think his defenses with what they had, you know, are they're okay. I mean, I think he could do some things differently. I think if he had handled Stingley differently, things, you know, could have been better. But I think really the person who failed him was Pep Hamilton, just on a grand yeah. scale. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the offense underperformed. I don't, I, I, 
I don't know that we are good enough to separate from the coach. Like, I, if we'd have had Vince Lombardi, how much better would our offense have been? I don't know. Well, and I think this is where national narrative and local narrative kind of uh, kind of divides. Because, you know, the national narrative, I don't know anything about the other 31 teams other than what I see occasionally. Right. So I couldn't tell you anything. What I can tell you, though, is that about, you know, about the Texans, watching the Texans offense, you know, the very first four or five weeks of the year, you know, Damian Pierce is out of the games for swaths at a time, throwing in Rex Burkett. And you're like, you know, and you're throwing to him on third down thinking he's going to somehow, you know, beat four or five guys. And you're like, what are we doing? Yeah, there was I a mean, really strange love affair with, with Rex Burkhead as like this elusive receiving back like it was 10 years ago in New England. That, well, or like the Dallas game where yeah. Pep Hamilton decides, you know, inside the 10-yard line, we're not well, – not only are we not going to give Pierce the ball, we're not even going to have him on the field. Because somehow Dallas, who doesn't defend the run well in particular, well, yeah. we're, we're, they're going to be defending the run. So we're going to zig while they zag and we're going to pass. And it's like yeah. that's where, that's where I, whoever ends up coaching this team, the only thing I ask is that on offense and defense, they sit there and say, you know what, the best thing we do is this. So we're going to keep doing this until you stop it. That's what, you know, that's the attitude we need to have moving forward. I mean, that's what the attitude Kubiak had on offense. No, you're not wrong. And he, and, and Aaron Foster was a good example of they found a guy who was performing beyond expectations and they just kept giving him the ball. No, I definitely agree with that. And uh, with that, let's get out of here on that. Scott Barzilla praying for cooler heads to prevail when this coach gets hired. We'll see if that's the case. So with that being said, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, as always, love the love the stuff. Uh, Battle Red Blog's always looking great. V-Ball retired right there on there. Um, they can comment and so they can say nice things to you. They, they sometimes, and that's always appreciated. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back whenever you need to help. Oh, every time, man. All right, thank you. Have a good one.